listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Daniel chapter 10 begins the last vision that Daniel is going to have in this record that we have of his time in that area of Babylon, now under the, the op- uh, oppression of the nation of Persia. The last vision is going to be comprised of chapters 10, 11, and 12. And it's going to be more detailed than anything else that we've encountered. But I'll go ahead and tell you up front that we're only going to get through chapter 10 today because next week we're going to have a a special guest come be with us. Uh, The Ministry of Faith Extreme is going to come. They're going to have the kids that that are uh, in service with them. They're going to play. They're going to sing. They're going to bless your heart. It's going to be a good time. We want to expose you to the Ministry of Faith Extreme. That'll be next week. And then the following week's Father's Day, and that's Family Bible Time. So it'll take a few weeks before we finish up this book of Daniel. But we want to get a start today in chapter 10. And, and I think you probably might be a little bit surprised with the content that we're going to be focusing in on in Daniel chapter 10. So let's just jump into it with both feet and see what God's Word has to say. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. The word was true. And it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. The 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. The sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision. And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. When he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Daniel, fear not. For the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 
21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. Behold, one in the likeness of the children of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and I said to him who stood before me, Oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you not know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. All a prelude to the information that is to come in chapters 11 and 12. What do we have here? We have a fascinating encounter between Daniel and one of God's angels. Now in the 1980s, a movie, or not a movie, but a television series came out on NBC starring Michael Landon of the famed Little House on the Prairie. That show was called Highway to Heaven. It was about a, a, an angel who had been deposited on earth as he went through a trying period in, in order to gain, I guess, his standing as an angel. He moved from city to city helping those he came into contact with. If you think about it, really, it's the same exact format as the Incredible Hulk and the A-Team and the Fall Guy and all those other 80s shows. It was a group of displaced individuals who would just travel around, roaming around, helping folks that they came into contact with. But Michael Landon's character was an angel hoping to work his way into his Standing. Where, where, where do we get ideas like that? Where, where, where do we get ideas like the 90s television show, Touched by an Angel with Roma Downey? Where in the world do we get ideas like the 2016 show, Lucifer? Where the devil takes a break from his role in order to help the detectives in a particular city saw, where do we get these crazy ideas? I'm going to tell you from what God's Word has to say about angels. Unfortunately, Hollywood has taught us more about angels than God's Word actually does. Because 
God's Word actually doesn't say a whole lot about angels. In fact, it seems like that, that when God talks about angels, it's almost like He expects us to kind of know what's going on with them. Because they just sort of show up and do what they do, and then they're gone, and we're left going, wait, 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 where do they come from? What do they look like? Are they all guys, or are there girls, and do they have weapons, and do they all have these six wings, and do they all fly around saying the same thing over and over and over again? I mean, really, do they all glow, or do they all look like so? Come on, Lord, what in the world? And he's like, no, not going to tell you. There's so much that we don't know about angels because God simply does not tell us. We walk into error when we fill in the blanks. We walk into error when we allow our theology to be determined by what Hollywood says. We even walk into error when we allow teachers to tell us about angels because you know that back in the 1940s Zuzu Bailey told her daddy George that every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings well I'm sorry Zuzu that's not how it works because that's not what God says so today what we're going to do is we're just going to tackle, if we can, Daniel chapter 10 and try to understand what in the world is going on here. Well, I've entitled today's message, The Invisible War All Around Us. The Invisible War All Around Us. We're going to see a shocking encounter. We've already seen it. We're going to hear a fantastic fascinating revelation. We've already heard it. We're going to talk about some truths that we learn from God's Word in other places about angels and demons. And then lastly, we're going to try to understand this encouraging Word that is going to begin some very difficult prophecy for this prophet to hear about the days to come. First, the shocking encounter. Daniel says that he's been mourning for three weeks based on the, the, the time of year that he says the 21st or 24th day of the first month, that would have been the time of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Passover happened on the 14th day of the first month. And then following that for seven more days, you would celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Well, the 14th plus 7 would be the 21st. So a couple of days after Passover, we find Daniel standing by the riverside. But he tells us up front, I've been in a state of mourning, fasting. I've not eaten the delicate foods that were put before me. I ate no meat. I, I drank no wine. I am, I am insisting upon a, 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 a feeling the pressure and the weight of something. I'm not even putting the anointing oils on me. Basically what he's saying is he's not even taking care of his own personal hygiene because he's in a state of anxiety. So I wonder what's going on. Well, Quite possibly what's going on is that he has heard about the encounters of his brethren that have gone from Babylon back to the, the area of their homeland. 
Because two years earlier, the decree went out from King Cyrus that the Jews could return back home and rebuild their temple. And they, under the leadership of a fellow by the name of Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua, had gone back. They had established the altar of the temple and they had finished the foundation of the temple being rebuilt. Another gentleman that that was recording this by the name of Ezra says that after the foundation of the temple was complete, they became discouraged because the people of the land began to oppress them. So it's very likely that word has gotten back to Daniel who is discouraged because his people have been sent back just like the prophecy had said the 70 years were over and they were back and they were rebuilding but now they're discouraged. Now the work has stopped and it's very likely that what he's doing is just seeing this Passover season, a time that they would normally celebrate, that he remembers as a child celebrating year after year and just use this as a period to fast and no doubt to pray. We see that Daniel is standing by the riverside and he encounters this dazzling creature. A creature that only he could see. He says that his companions did not see any of this, but saw or heard enough to frighten them, and they ran away and hid. Daniel alone was left looking at this incredibly bright being with glowing eyes and shining clothes and gold and and his voice sounded like a multitude. And you know what happened to Daniel? He basically fainted. His fair countenance just washed away. He became white as a sheet and he fell on his face fainting before the awesomeness of this creature. Now some have thought that maybe what he was seeing is what's called a theophany. An appearance of of God, most likely God the Son, in a human form or in an angelic looking way. I don't think that's what this is. And we'll get to why I don't think that's what he's seeing. What I think he's seeing is what others in the Old Testament and the New Testament had seen. And that was an angel showing out in all its glory and capability and sent him to his face. He was shocked. Three times we saw that or another angel that was in that vision touch him to strengthen him. And you watched, you heard as he was on his face. And the angel touched him and said, you need to stand up. He was like... I can't stand up. I'm on my hands and my knees. The strength is, has gone from me. And he's encouraged. Hey, Daniel, it's okay, man. You're greatly loved. I'm, I'm here to give you a message from the Lord. He's like, I can't, I can't even hardly talk. He's like, it's, it's going to be okay, man. Just stand up and listen to this good word I have for you. He's like, I can't, I can't hardly even breathe, man. He's like, listen, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be of a good courage. Maybe even the angel is thinking, boy, I wish I'd have turned down the volume on my brightness a little bit. Wasn't trying to scare you. I wasn't trying to to make you tremble. I've got a message for you. This shocking encounter with an angel. Not the first time it happened. 
Well, there have been other times that people have encountered angels in both the Old and the New Testament. But this was certainly shocking enough for Daniel to have fainted and, and, and been incapable of operating. But the angel encouraged him, and then the angel revealed a fascinating word. And it really isn't about what's to come. He's telling him something fascinating that we back up and go, wow, I would love to know more about what's happening here. What does he say? He says that God heard your prayer, Daniel, from the moment you began humbling yourself before him. Three weeks ago, he, he fasting and mourning God heard you. God heard you. And he dispatched me with a message. He dispatched me immediately with a response. But then we learn, verse number 13, that spiritual demonic conflict was hindering the answer for 21 days. Which, interestingly enough, is how long? Three weeks. Look what it says. Verse number 13. He says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia. What's going on here in this verse? I think it's pretty clear that what is happening is this angel is talking about spiritual warfare going on in and around Daniel unbeknownst to him because Daniel can't see it. But now Daniel is seeing this angel and you're like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. What is this prince of Persia? Isn't he just talking about the king of Persia? Well, no, because he's already identified the king of Persia, who is Cyrus, and it's in his third year, so this is 536 B.C., he could have easily used the same word for king. And he's not talking about the king's son. It seems very clear that what he's referring to is an angelic counterpart, if you will, that is of evil intent, where this one is for God's good pleasure. You're like, wait a minute, what are you saying? Good and bad angels? Well, yeah. I mean, haven't you read the New Testament? Haven't you read any of the four Gospels? You say, no, I haven't. Well, let me tell you what happens. In the life of Christ, Jesus is almost consistently encountering these evil spirits. Most of the time, they are possessing individuals. And Jesus speaks to those evil spirits. And you know what they do every time he tells them to do something? They obey. Because they're under his authority. And we know that our enemy, the one we call Satan, the devil, the deceiver, our enemy, whatever you call him, we know that he is, in fact, an angel. An angel in rebellion, yes. And there are some obscure passages in the Old Testament that we think 
might be in a secondary way telling us how this came about. We hold, you remember we, we held those 70 weeks last week, those, those 490 years. You remember we had them there, we're like, we can see them and we believe them and we understand we're going to hold them like that. We're not going to grip them real tight. That's kind of the way we hold those Old Testament passages that talk about what we think is the fall of Lucifer, the fall of Satan. And we hold them like this, but we go, I'm pretty sure that's what that's describing in a secondary way. And so what we have here is this angel telling Daniel about the conflict between those faithful and rebellious angelic beings. It seems as though as we read the reason he calls him the prince of Persia, it's because it seems that these angels might have hierarchical structure. You're like, wait a minute, what are we talking about here? Well, let's just take the passage as it said. Angel that shows up to Daniel, bright and brilliant, scary enough or shocking enough to cause Daniel to faint. And what does this angel say? Angel says, I had a word from the Lord that I was bringing to you, but I was hindered by another. That seems to say that the other was more powerful than him. Because, he says, I had to call out for help from one called Michael. Now, apart from Lucifer, there are two angels in the Scripture that we have names for. One we've already heard from in this book, and his name is Gabriel. And interestingly enough, Gabriel shows up many centuries later in a conversation he has with a young woman by the name of Mary. So while we don't know a whole lot about angels... We know they don't age a whole lot over the centuries. So we start piecing things together even though we don't have all of the stats, if you will. And so this angel says, I was bringing the message, but I was encountered by one more powerful to me. Then I had to cry out, help! And Michael... Who, interestingly enough, in the New Testament, little book of Jude, no chapters, only verses. The book of Jude, chapter, uh, verse number 9, says that Michael is referred to as an archangel. So this one was contended by one more powerful, so he called one more powerful than this one who came to his aid and took over this fight so that I could bring you the message. Like, what in the world is going on? I know, isn't it crazy? There's so much more going on in our, in, in our realm than we can actually see. Daniel didn't know any of this was going on. Daniel just knew he was praying, he was mourning, he was fasting, he was wondering, what are you going to do, God? I'm trying to get an answer from you. And the angel said, I got the answer right here. I've got the message. I just ran into a little difficulty called the Prince of Persia. So that lends us to go, okay, it seems like there are maybe hierarchies of angels. 
Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12 tells us, Paul does, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. Is that what we're seeing? Are we seeing the privates and the sergeants and the lieutenants? And the, I don't know, but I know this. This poor little angel who struck fear in the man of God wasn't able to bring the message because one more powerful than him was contending. So he had to call one more powerful than him in order to help him get the message. What's going on all around us? I don't know. But I know what it says. I wonder if that would lend us to reasonably surmise Because the angel said there's a prince of Persia and then there's going to be a prince of Greece. You remember from those other prophecies, the statues, the different metals, the different beasts. You got the lion and the bear and the leopard and the thing that came after. And all that. And then we learn about the, the, the kingdoms that are to come. They get identified, the ram and the goat, that's the Persians and the Greeks. Like, okay, wait a minute. So it sounds like what you're saying is, is that there's a prince of Persia. There is a demonic influence over the nation of Persia. And there's one over the nation of, of Greece. And there are faithful angelic beings that are in contention with them over what God is sovereign doing. Would it be reasonable to think that nations typically have forces for both their good and evil in conflict? I think that answer would be, yeah, that would be reasonable. Are we going to clamp that down with a hard fist? No. But I want you to look at the world you live in. The nation you call home. Would it be reasonable to think that our nation has a prince seeking to influence our leaders and our laws and our practices, but you better believe it. Our nation is insane right now. Our nation makes no sense. Listen, church. You know how we believe, but can I just tell you the truth? I don't care what the prince is influencing the leaders to say or the media to say, but God made you just like he intended you. And our world is trying to redefine gender. Our world is trying to redefine love. Our world is trying to redefine everything that God says about his creation. God created us just like he intended. And then sin broke us. So it makes perfect sense that we're going to want to do and be everything contrary to what God has said. But that doesn't change what God has said. Men are not women. Women are not Men, I don't care what you do to yourself. I don't care what you call yourself. It's just simply not true. You say, Pastor, they're going to boot you off of YouTube. 
they ain't paid me nothing yet. Okay. And won't, won't we all, I, I'm not going down alone, am I? Are we all going down together, ain't we? Yeah, right. But I'll tell you this, when the pressure gets up, I pray that God will give me the courage to go down, even if ain't nobody behind me. Right? You think there's a prince of our nation? <laughs> Are you kidding me? If there was a prince of Persia, and they were one of the most powerful nations in the world until Greece came along, and there was a prince of Greece, has America ever been a powerful nation in our world? And you better believe that there is conflict going on. You can't see it, but it's there. Some things about angels. Because we could rant on that. Like I could name all, you're going, hey, aren't you going to talk about? Yes. Yes, I could. And just believe me. Yes. Yes, we are not on board with everything the world says we should be on board with. Okay? Babies are not to be annihilated. Life is to be protected. There are no reasons why babies should be destroyed. None. I don't care what the law says. I don't care how many heartbeats. If there is life, it is from God. That's not our place. Men are not women. Women are not men. Children are not to be indoctrinated in this garbage. But you're going to have to make some hard choices in the days to come if you're going to keep them. That. I digress. If the world wants it, we ain't for it. Okay? If God's Word says it, we'll stand on it and we'll get to it at some point in God's Word. Amen? Can we just do that? Okay, all right. So, here's some things about angels. I just want to like shotgun these things that, that I did. And, you, and I'm not going to defend these from God's Word, but I can, okay? I can read you the Scriptures, but I just want to shoot these at you. Number one, angels are real. You're like, duh. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. The, the Sadducees, the ones that were in control of the temple in Jesus' day, they didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in the afterlife. So normally they didn't believe in the resurrection either. So I have to say, are angels real? Yeah, both good and evil. That's what the scripture says and that's what we're going to stand on. Angels are created beings. And they are subject to the supreme sovereignty and authority of their creator. They are powerful, but they are under his authority. Both good and evil. Ain't, buckle up. All right, buck, buckle up. Here we go. You ready? Hold on. It's going to be bumpy. Angels are not human. Humans don't become angels. I don't care what the pastor said at the funeral. I don't care what the movies tell you about it. Humans are human. Angels are not. Though at times angels have presented themselves in human form. Now here was something I was thinking about. My, my wife makes fun of me because I get up in the morning. I guess I'm getting old, okay? I guess this is, a, this is like a pre-old man exercise. I get up in the morning, I turn, I put my feet on the ground, and I sit there. Now is that, is some of you old, older than me nod. If that's, if that's, okay, John, 
You're a couple years older than me. You know, you sit there. It's an encouragement time. It's an encouragement to say, I can do this. I can get up. I got stuff to do. I want to go right back where I was at, but I can do this. This morning, as I'm sitting there on the side of the bed, thinking about nothing, this thought went to my mind. I thought, you know, I wonder why we don't see in Scripture demons taking human form. Because if they did, would they? Think about what this angel did to Daniel. If demons could take physical form, wouldn't they consistently just be scaring us to death? I think so. And so I was thinking, I wonder if there is a governor on that thing where they can only take human form with the thumbs up from God. And I go, you know what? That's, a, that's probably reasonable to think. And for everyone that said, we're following this clown instead of you, God, God says, fine, you're going to stay in the invisible realm, except when we see them in Scripture possessing human beings. Maybe that's why they like that so much. Because they're not given that, I don't know, I'm just, again, that's side of the bed, first thing in the morning, theology going on right there. Sometimes it seems angels can take human form. Otherwise, they're invisible. We don't see them. We don't know them. We don't know where they are. Angels serve a variety of services. In the Scripture, we see them engaging in worship. We see them at times exercising judgment on God's behalf. The death angel in Egypt, another angel that wiped out a whole army in one swoop, these Cats are powerful, and at times God uses them to exercise his judgment. We see them operating as messengers. We see them serving as protectors. We see them exercising encouragement. I'll take you back to Matthew 4. After Jesus' temptation, he's exhausted. And what does Matthew say? Angels came and ministered to him. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the garden and he's sweating and pouring out his soul. And what happens? Angels come and minister. Angels seem to have a hierarchy. We've talked about it. Demons can have limited but powerful influence on humans. We see it in the Gospels and in the letters of Paul. The influence of demons and temptation can be resisted. Through reliance upon the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus. And through God's Word and prayer. See Ephesians 6, the armor of God. You put it on so that you can, in your strength, not one day. But in the strength and the armor and the power of God, we can and must take our stand against the schemes of the evil ones who seek to kill, steal, and destroy and are prowling around looking for us to devour. But by God's Spirit... In the armor, by faith, we can stand. We can resist them. Everything that goes wrong in life is not demonic activity. You've got that one relative that's always posting it on Facebook. The devil's just having his heyday with my life. Look, every flat tire is not the devil. Every broken thing is not the devil. But also sometimes it might be. Okay, that's all I know. It's not everything. Let me tell you what I did. I tried to 
I, I tried to record. I, I got done with this sermon, and last night I tried to record the third episode of our Reach and Teach podcast. Did y'all know we had a podcast? If you didn't, pull up the Oasis Church app. There's a link to it. It's on Spotify. We got two episodes out there, and I was going to back up this sermon with a, an exciting story, and I'm going to do it. But I recorded that thing 26 minutes twice, and when I clicked to upload, it was gone. And I was going, all right, devil. <laughs> because sometimes it might be. We could say a lot of things about angels, but we won't say everything to our satisfaction. Know this. What God's Word says is true. Everything else is just a thought and a maybe. And we just have to trust that God is in control because He is. Not only a shocking encounter, a fascinating revelation, but an encouraging word. The angel affirmed twice that Daniel was someone greatly loved by God. Oh, man, greatly loved. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, well, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but there's spiritual warfare going around all of us. But if we're followers of Jesus, we stand in that place of dearly loved. You go, Pastor Cameron, how can you know that God dearly loves us? Because Romans 5, 8 says, he proved his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even with all of that craziness going on around us, and it is, we're not fighting with each other. We're fighting with all the stuff those things are trying to influence. Get our mind off of the battle between us and recognize, wait a minute, this is spiritual warfare. It's not between me and Charlie. It's between me and the enemy. I got to love him. I got to resist the other. You stand in a place of dearly loved if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, you could be by faith in Christ. The message of chapter 11 and 12 is going to be troubling. It's going to be difficult for Daniel. But the angel says, here's what I want you to do. Verse 19, don't be afraid. Stand strong. Take courage. It's going to be okay, Daniel. I got a troubling message to tell you, but... You're going to be all right. It didn't mean Daniel wasn't going to suffer. It didn't mean that those that Daniel loved weren't going to go through trying, turbulent times. But the angel said, ultimately, it's going to be okay. Because God is for you. And if God is for us, the New Testament says, who can be against us? Amen? While spiritual warfare is going to continue, the angel says, when I get done with you, I got to go tag back in with Michael. I got to go start wrestling with the prince of Persia again. But that's all right. Once he's gone, the Greek prince will show up. My dance card's full, but I got a message for you. Until then, even though spiritual warfare is going to continue, the angel says, I'm here to reveal to you what is in God's book of truth. What that means is no matter what's going on around us, what God has determined is going to be. It is settled. It is sure for both us and everything we can't see. We can stand. We can press on. We can be faithful. And we don't have to be afraid. So, what do we do? Well, here's what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on striving. Whatever that thing is that you're striving after. 
Is it a relative that doesn't yet know Jesus? And you feel like you're praying and it's just hitting the ceiling and God doesn't hear. Listen, God heard you from the minute you humbled yourself and came to him. God has not forgotten you. God is not ignoring you. God is not incapable of doing everything that will be in accordance with his will. And what he desires to do, it will be. Don't stop praying no matter how hard or difficult it might feel because the difficulty just might be contention between you and those influences that don't want you praying. So press on. Keep going. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking because God's hearing and God will do what he will do when it is time. You just keep being faithful. Next, don't be afraid of the angelic and the demonic world. Don't be afraid of them. Oh, they're powerful. They can do far more than we can imagine. But 1 John 4, 4 says this, Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It ain't about us going to battle against the enemy. It's about us just standing still, letting God put all the stuff and snap it in place. And he says, all right, take your position. This good Lord? You're like, yeah, I got you. You just stand right there. Okay. Well, they're scary. Don't you worry about that because I'm bigger than they are. When I get it recorded, episode three, I'm going to tell you a fun story out of the Old Testament. And the word from the prophet to his servant was this. Those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Oh, it's a fun story. It's got angels all around it. But we got one even better. It's not about the angelic hosts that are on our side. It's about the one who is the I am dwelling with us. How that works I don't know. We don't have to be afraid. And then lastly, instead of getting too fixated on angels and demons, don't go out and buy all the books going to tell you about angels and encounter. And I saw an Don't do all that. Tell the stories and be skeptical and nod and then keep going with your focus on Jesus. With your focus on Jesus. With your walk by the Spirit, listening to Him and doing as He leads by obeying God's Word and living by faith. And let all that's going on around us do what it's going to do because we're insulated by Him. Let's act like it. And let's keep being busy about our purpose, which you guys know from two weeks ago is what? Making disciples. So let's get at it. Knowing there's all kinds of invisible warfare going on around us, let's be faithful to Christ. Let's stand on His Word Let's armor up and resist at every turn until he returns and he's gonna. Amen? Well, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. I hope you leave encouraged. Certainly, you'll leave a little confused, but that's all right, because so am I. But I hope you see Jesus lifted up in your place for your sin, buried and risen, victorious, alive today, 
with us to the end of the age, those who have by faith trusted in him and him alone. And if you've not done that, today would be a great day to lay your yes down with him and leave all others behind. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Daniel. We thank you for his encounter and the encouragement that it provides us. God, we ask that you will help us to remember that we are in a war zone. It's not with each other. It's against those spiritual forces in high places. It's against our enemy. God, help us to be convinced that we are to love one another. We are to seek opportunities to share you with others and realize that our war is in the spiritual realm. Give us courage to stand. Give us the ability to be strong. Help us to not be afraid. God, give us the strength that we need to be faithful so that you might be glorified in the things that we do, the things that we say. God, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters. Give them a great week. Show them the opportunities in front of them. Give them the courage to take advantage of each and every one. I pray for those that are watching online, those that are sick, those that are in need, unable to get out. God, would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Would you remind them that if they know you through Jesus, you love them and you're still using them and you've not thrown them away. Encourage them by your grace. Give us a great week, Lord. We love you. We look forward to everything that's in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Amen.